Hey, what's up, podcast? Today's episode is with Dr. Pamela Mehta, an orthopedic surgeon, and this episode is all about work-life balance and ultimately creating the life that you want to live, including your career, including uh, your family life, and including having the freedom that you want to live the life of your dreams really and this is such a fantastic episode for women who aspire to have a demanding career and it's just there's so much inspiration from Dr. Meta because she shows that you can have the career you can have the family life balance you can have the freedom and ultimately you can create the life that you want to live so tune in and I hope you enjoy it Thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, so my name is Pamela Mehta, and I am an orthopedic surgeon, a general orthopedic surgeon in Los Gatos, California, which is in the Bay Area. Um, I went to USC for college and for medical school. I did an eight-year baccalaureate MD program uh, where I was accepted into medical school, essentially out of high school. Um, and after that, I did my five-year orthopedic surgical residency at Columbia. I came back to California. I worked for a large managed care healthcare system for about four to five years. And then I decided at that point that I wanted to um, go out and start my own private practice. So I um, started my own small business essentially. Um, and I now run a private practice and I've been doing that for about two years and, um, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm, I'm very excited for, to see what happens with it. And, um, I've had a lot of positive feedback from the community. And so that's where I'm at right now. Awesome. And you are a female orthopedic surgeon. How many female orthopedic surgeons are there? Um, not many. That's a great question. So um, the last statistics probably from 2017, uh, 14% of orthopedic surgical residents were female. And um, out in practice, that number is only 5%. Um, so there's not a lot of us. I would say in the bigger cities, um, probably more. And where I trained at Columbia, I feel like there was a good representation of females in my residency. Although at the time, there were no female orthopedic surgeon um, attending, so I didn't have any female mentors. Um, I think that is changing with time, but um, yeah, we're, we're still quite a minority in the grand scheme. Nice. And what's it like being a female in, in a male-dominated field like the one you're in, which is a demanding field, uh, heavily masculine, male-dominated um, me myself, I was interested in ortho as a pre as a med student. What what is that kind of like, and what maybe advice do you have for women who are also in male dominated fields, or who are uh, kind of a minority? Um, well, I actually didn't really see much of a difference or feel different until I left my residency, until I completed my residency. I feel like when you're in academics, um, there is a lot of protection. And being in a big city, um, there was a lot of diversity at, uh, at Columbia, um, different races, ethnicities, um, and obviously gender. Um, when I got out in a private practice and I started looking for a job, that's when it became really evident that I was different. Um, everywhere I went for an interview, um, 
I was asked questions about family um, and how long I plan on practicing and how much I want to practice and questions that I had never been asked before because I worked just as hard as the guys did and I did just as well as them. And so it was surprising to me that all of a sudden my gender became the forefront of of being hired um, at a job. And I think it's a real problem, not just in orthopedic, in, in surgical residencies or in surgery fields. I think it's a problem um, all over in all the workplaces. Um, there's just a big focus and emphasis on females in the workplace and what's going to happen when they get pregnant and they take maternity leave. Um, and so I think that that is when things really came to a head um, is when I had my children. Um, when I was pregnant, I felt um, very different in the workplace. And um, I think that people were very nervous about whether I was going to come back to work and how hard I was going to work while pregnant and afterwards. Um, so it's been difficult not to really have colleagues that, that understand that so much. And I think the problem with that um, is that that, that kind of deters females from going into male-dominated fields. How did you navigate through that? So, so when you were kind of being, um, I guess, judged, I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, I guess when you were being judged for being a woman or having uh, children or them kind of questioning all of that, how did you navigate through that? What kind of things did you do to kind of, I guess, play the game? Um, well, I don't know that I did it very um, with a lot of logic or method because I wasn't expecting it. So when I was asked those questions in my interviews, I kind of laughed it off and I basically just brushed it aside and, and, and sort of said, look, I'm at an age where I'm probably going to have children and um, having a family is very important to me, but my career is very important too. I've been training for the last 12 years for this. So um, I plan on working just as hard as the men do. I think now looking back on it, um, any place that's going to ask you that question over and over again, or that it seems like the environment is not female friendly is probably not the right place for you to be at anyway. And so I would say to probably steer clear from those places. I mean, when you're asked the question, mm -hmm. answer it with as much um, calmness and confidence as you can. But I think that that is probably not going to be a place where you fit in anyway. And right. I, I didn't realize that at the time. What advice would you have for women who are entering a demanding field and sort of and want to have a family, you know, want to spend time with their kids, want to do the everyday things that, that every mother would want to do? What kind of advice would you have for someone? Um, I think that... Um, Developing a thick skin is very important. Um, a lot of people have negative energy and thoughts about um, work-life balance, and I think that's because it's not um, something in the U.S. that is um, really promoted, unfortunately. And so I think having a thick skin and trying to do your best, having a good work ethic, being determined and having perseverance are some of the key components to making it work. Um, and then also just knowing that you can have work-life balance, you can have a family and career. Um, it just takes some communication between you and either your partner or family members that are there for support, that are there to support you. 
Um, and it just takes a little bit of time management. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is absolutely possible. I've, I've definitely been able to achieve that. And um, I decided when I left um, that large group that I wanted to make my kids a priority. Um, and that's not to say my career is not a priority, but when my kids are this young, I wanted to make sure that I was there for the key moments in their life. Mm-hmm. So you were working for a large, uh, for a large hospital system. You left and you started your own practice, essentially, which is what I really, it's probably one of the parts of your story that I really am so fascinated by because um, I think that we do have the ability to take back a lot of the power in medicine. And it starts with kind of having the courage to kind of step out and say, I want to, you know, live life on my terms. I want to work on my terms. And that's kind of where becoming an entrepreneur plays into, uh, kind of plays into this. So you stepped out and you started your own practice, essentially. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I think what you said is so spot on. Um, I think there is definitely room for um, physicians to practice medicine in a way that there is no, nothing to hinder that patient-doctor relationship. Um, I think it's best for patient and for the physician to have something like that. And um, when I decided to go out and start my own practice, I cannot tell you how many people told me it can't be done. It just can't be done physically because you can't be in all places at once. You need help and coverage uh, for when you go on a vacation or, you know, you're doing something with your children. Um, and people told me it wasn't possible financially either because it's a big risk to take. And the way that all these huge hospital systems have it set up is that they have a majority of the patients. So, um, it's very hard to open your own business if there's no customers slash patients coming in the door. Um, so those were the things I was up against, but I really believed that there was a place, um, for a small, boutique concierge practice where I was really developing relationships with my patients. My patients got to see me um, on every visit for one full hour. um, And that when they got, when they called in for an appointment, they weren't being stuck on some large phone tree or not having their calls answered, you know, in a timely manner. Um, And I really believe that, that people still want that kind of healthcare. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was that belief and that passion that drove me to be like, you know, it may be a year, two years, three years of um, some disarray in my life and, um, you know, maybe take, you know, uh, some extra time um, devoted to my kind of business that I was running versus, you know, uh, the ultimate goal was to have this good work-life balance. So I had more time for my family. Um but I think that in all in all, it was it was totally worth it, and and I've I've really been able to progress uh, much faster than I thought I was going to actually. Um, but yeah, as and also as a female, I mean, there's not many females that are small business owners uh, or decide to run their own practice because it takes a lot of time, and people fear that they're not going to have time for their family. Um. So what kind of what was it like just first starting out when you first started this? Um, we were, I was a very small mom and pop shop, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, when I first started, I did something as simple as just rented a room from a chiropractor. 
I needed a place to set up my address and phone number and so that I could um, have Medicare, my Medicare number go to that address. Um, and so I literally set up shop in a chiropractor's office. I had the bare bones of things in my room. I had a desk and a exam table. I had no sink, which I didn't even think <laughs> about when I rented the place. Um, and I'm an orthopedic surgeon, so I'm constantly, you know, taking out stitches or looking at incisions and wounds or putting on casts. So I, I needed a sink, yeah. <laughs> um, but small things like that, um, you know, I, I didn't realize obviously when I was starting things up. So I, 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 I think the key in starting a business is to run really lean. And so what I mean by that is not having a lot of overhead. So, um, you know, a place that maybe is fair mountain rent, um, not a lot of employees. You have to learn how to do everything yourself before you start hiring employees. Um, so I had one part-time remote employee that would schedule my patients. And when I first started, I was there to greet my patients. I gave them the intake form. I registered them. I walked them into the exam room. I examined them and I let them go home. I, I, and I mm -hmm. set up their next appointment. I didn't have anyone doing that except for myself. As I started to grow, then I started to hire a little bit more. And then I moved within six months, I moved into what quote unquote, a normal office space, you know, with a sink and things like yeah. that. And, um, I even now run pretty lean. I don't have that many employees mm -hmm. and I do a lot of things for myself. And I think that's the major key is to just mm -hmm. look at how much you actually need to run your practice and don't overshoot that because that can cost you a lot of money and yeah. time. That's not an uncommon theme that I've been hearing in people who have been starting their own practices. Essentially, uh, I've well, I talked to somebody before, Dr. Jeff Toll, who also started a prim direct primary care practice. And same story, you know, starting off small, keeping the overhead really low, and, you know, basically playing all the parts. You know, there's no job that you're not essentially going to be responsible for in the beginning. And slowly you, you grow and you build. You build on top of that. Um, but it's sort of really cool to hear how you started off and where you're kind of going and how, how, you know, in the, in the, in the start of it, um, you know, it might be a little bit more work than you might even be doing at a hospital, but in the long run, it ends up paying off and you end up living the life that you want to live on your terms. And I think that's one of the great things that I really love about, you know, doctors, physician entrepreneurs is that they are slowly taking back medicine because we've seen medicine kind of get just sucked into this bureaucratic system of, uh, you know, and dominated by insurance companies and hospital systems. So I, I always am so happy to hear people like you doing things like that. Yeah, I think that, uh, again, you hit it um, right there by saying basically that, you know, that you can take back medicine and practice it in a way that you want to and have some autonomy. Um, I think that it is true that at the beginning you're probably working harder. I think sometimes I still work harder, but it's all on my own terms. So, um, you know, today was a great day. I spent the whole morning with my children cause they had a swim practice, um, and a couple other activities that I wanted to be there for. And so I did my surgery this afternoon. So I'm getting out a little bit later, but it's okay because my husband was there to be with my children in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, and so if when I was part of that large organization, I had very little control over my schedule. I had very little control 
over how I was taking care of patients, um, from everything to, you know, ordering an x-ray or an MRI, um, to, you know, what day their surgery was going to be performed or by mm -hmm. which surgeon that was going to be performed, even though mm -hmm. I saw the patient sometimes in those large organizations, they say, oh, well, you know, on this day, you'll have surgery by this surgeon. Mm -hmm. it, you don't realize it, but that's crazy. That's insane. I mean, as a, as a patient, as a person, you, you want to be taken care of um, in a very professional, personal manner. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm able to do that now. Um, and I would say that it is a lot of hard work on the front end, and it will continue to be work, but it's, it's work that I'm very proud of because it's something I created. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, it's definitely different. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I wanted to just add something real quick. And I think that a lot of young women are really inspired by you because they sort, especially women of, you know, Middle Eastern women, uh, minority women who come from different cultures where the natural female role is kind of to stay at home and watch the kids. I think women who see you uh, kind of see that, you know, it's possible to have a career that's fulfilling, even a career as an orthopedic surgeon that just requires so much of your time and dedication. And they see you doing that and having a family and, you know, living the life that you want. And I think that that's, I think they find that very inspiring. And even as a male, I find that inspiring because, mm -hmm. you know, my mom works very hard too and she's raised all of us. So um, I just think that's so cool. And for those who don't know uh, what I'm talking about, just follow Dr. Meta on, on Instagram and you'll see what I'm talking about. What was your, what was your at tag? It's, it's Dr. Pamela Meta, and, and I so appreciate those words. Thank you so much. I mean, it, it means a lot to me because I think that social media has been such a great thing. I wish it, it mm. existed. I'm aging myself now, but I wish it had existed when I was a medical student or resident because I felt very alone. I felt like, what am I doing here? I, um, you know, I'm an Indian female in this male-dominated field, Um all the aunties and uncles and my parents are telling me me just to get married and have children. And my parents obviously wanted me to be educated and have a strong work ethic. But I think even they had a little bit of a difficult time seeing them, seeing their daughter be a, become an orthopedic surgeon and potentially um, delay, you know, having kids and uh, getting married and that sort of thing. Um, and so it's been such a great experience on social media to be able to connect with women all over the world Mm -hmm. um, that are struggling with some of these same issues. And it's been great to meet men too, um, that really see that my husband and I play equal roles in the house, um, and at work, he's an orthopedic spine surgeon. Um, and that we, you know, teach our kids basically that it's an equal partnership. Yeah. Um, and we both spend just as much time with the children. I mean, He's, you know, I'm in surgery late today and he's, he's with them right now. He, he will cook dinner and put them to bed, um, you know, and tomorrow morning I'll spend time with them. So mm -hmm. it's, it's been a, it's a, it's a great partnership and it's really great to be able to share that with other people so that they, they can also see that it is possible. Mm -hmm. I will admit I was a bit naive maybe before mm -hmm. seeing all of these posts on social media, because to be honest, women dominate the, the medical social media community right now. They I'm do. probably one of the few, <laughs> it's really, it's all women. And I think 78% of my followers are women in medicine. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and so I'm trying to grow that 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 male community on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, I think it's, it's great. You can be a role model for all the male, you know, medical students and residents and attendings too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you know, I think there's this persona of being tough in medicine that we don't need support and we can't share in our struggles and failures and challenges. Mm -hmm. And I think social media has really brought light to that, that we are human. We're people too. Um, and it makes us better doctors. I really believe it makes us better providers for our patients. Um, when we share these experiences and, and social media has been great for that kind of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How would you? How do you think women who are not in medicine, who have everyday careers, kind of view you? And um, you know, what do you think they see when they see a woman, a woman who's kind of in this uh, male-dominated field and doing all of these things? Well, I, I have read a lot of articles about um, women just having less of a presence when it comes to leadership. Um, be that in medicine or in the corporate world. Um, there's just not a seat at the table for a lot of females in, you know, C-suite meetings or um, medical director meetings. And I think that we need that awareness and advocacy and we need to represent, you know, the workforce because we are a large part of that workforce. And so I think people that are, aren't in medicine can relate to me because I'm running a business. Um, I have employees. I have to do payroll Um, I have to order supplies. I have to make sure that, you know, the building that we're in is is taken care of properly, that, you know, marketing is going well, um, making sure that we have the the right amount of patients on the right day. Um, And so so there's a lot of operational things in that that I think other people in business and the corporate world can relate to. I also think because I am a a leader um, in a – different aspects of my life. I also hold a, a position with a, a large hospitalist company where I'm the chief of orthopedics. And so I also sit on the medical director's board at different hospitals. Um, and so in those meetings, a lot of that has not a lot to do with actual medicine, but kind of organization and structure of hospitals. And so I think that women can relate to that because they're trying also to balance how they do that and have a family. Mm-hmm beautiful let's just shift gears real quick and kind of talk about some fun things you're doing in the clinic and in your practice um you are you did mention to me that you're doing some uh non-conventional things or you know just some outside the box type stuff could you would you mind sharing with us some of that yeah absolutely um so i am a general orthopedic surgeon which means that i uh treat musculoskeletal conditions, um, hand, shoulder, hip, elbow, knee, hip, foot and ankle. Um, and I see patients in the office and treat them non-operatively with physical therapy, injections, anti-inflammatory medications. And, um, we work them up from the beginning to the end, get all the imaging that we need. And, um, and if they need surgery, I perform surgery. I perform a lot of surgery, um, arthroscopic, big joint replacement surgery, fracture work. And I think, What's really cool about orthopedic surgery is there's all this new technology um, and now regenerative medicine. So basically using your own body's healing potential to heal different parts of your um, parts of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so platelet-rich plasma is one of them where we 
um, draw your blood and we centrifuge it down to all the factors in your body that are responsible for healing, platelets, growth factors, and cytokines. And then we inject it into either a joint or tendon that's damaged um, and let your own body heal that area. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, kind of a level above that would be stem cells. Um, that's really hot right now. Um, stem cells are where we take your body's cells that um, have the ability to regenerate mm -hmm. either from your bone marrow in your pelvis or from your adipose tissue. Um, and we also do the same thing where we centrifuge it and get all of the growth factors and basically everything in your body that's responsible for creating new cells. And we put that into an area that may be damaged as well. Mm -hmm. um, and what so kind of results, what kind of results have uh, patients been seeing with that? Oh, it's been great. I mean, Especially if you have um, a lot of inflammation in an area, like if you have, say, a tendonitis, um, a common areas are in your elbow. You've probably heard of medial or lateral apocondylitis, like golfers and tennis elbow. Mm -hmm. um, and nothing's torn, but it's just inflamed um, and tissue that could use a little bit more healing. Um, these type of injections are working wonders, and we're saving people from having to have a surgical procedure um, you know, mm -hmm. and getting them back to their sport or their lifestyle, um, back quicker and faster. Awesome. Are you, are you recommending these treatments to even younger athletes? I mean, I've got a torn meniscus from high school <laughs> <laughs> and I know eventually I'm going to have to confront this problem. <laughs> so, uh, someone like myself, you know, who has a known history of a torn meniscus, you know, would that benefit me? Yeah, I think that um, it's it's for a per, uh, the right patient with the right problem. So I would always consult your doctor first and get the appropriate imaging studies done. Um, things that are torn completely, like a tendon, mm -hmm. sometimes with a meniscus it's different, but with the tendon, they don't do as well um, with regenerative medicine. It's more for partially torn or really inflamed or damaged areas. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, we definitely um, see really good results with younger, the younger patient population. I've had patients that, you know, they run these triathlons and do these tough mutters and um, Ironmans and, you know, those crazy athletes that, mm -hmm. that are, you know, they, ha they don't have a specific torn or broken bone or tendon, um, but they do have some issues and they, they've been doing really well with regenerative medicine. Awesome. Uh, we met, you mentioned to me earlier something about uh, ethics. We were talking about how you can think outside the box in medicine. You don't have to just, like I said, see the, do the grind of seeing patients from 8 to 5 and, and just doing chart notes and that's your life. I mean, you yeah. can do a lot of different things. Yeah. Like you said, you know, you can think outside the box and you can do these uh, outside the box kind of things, which is what you're doing right now, which is so cool. What is your favorite thing that you're kind of doing right now in practice? Oh, I really like the regenerative medicine because um, I think it is so cool to see that patients um, are able to heal themselves with essentially a very non-invasive procedure. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm a surgeon, so I love surgery. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really great to see patients um, get better kind of all on their own with just a little boost um, of an injection from, from me. 
um, and to see their own own body heal itself. I, I think that's that's something that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I also really like um, since I've been in practice for myself, I truly spend an hour with the patient. I I'd never had that before. I I was working for this large group where I was seeing patients every 15 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. I you know I'd run back to my office, hurry up and finish the note, and I'd see the next patient. And at the end of the day, I just was so mentally exhausted. And now I have time to sit down, connect with my patient. When they come back to see me, I can talk to them about what's been going on in their life because I remember them. I remember what we talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it just makes such a deeper connection, which I really, really enjoy. How do people meet a doctor like you, I guess? Because, Mm -hmm. I mean... If you're just if you're just going, I mean, your primary care usually will refer you to an orthopedic surgeon, and you'll kind of meet them. But how do you find a, a doctor that's practicing the way that you are? Um, that's a great question. I think nowadays um, everybody uses Google and Yelp and um, all the search engines to look up their doctor, and so I think that is extremely important. Um, it's great if your primary care doctor can give you a referral, but what's even better is if you hear from word of mouth from your friends or you look online to read patient reviews or you look at their website and see what they have to offer. And so I think um, nowadays marketing is a big thing in, in terms of just knowing a little bit more about the person that you're going to go see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how people find me. Honestly, after two years, it's been a lot of word of mouth. So a friend of a friend will tell somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it has been through, um, you know, reviews online or through my website, which I've spent a lot of time on. Um, and I think I think that's the way that you get personalized care is is if you kind of have done a little research into the person that you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Dr. Mehta, you've been, you're just an incredibly inspiring person and we've covered a lot during this conversation. Um, And I think you're just, I think this is going to be a really great episode for our audience because when they hear you and see what you're doing, I mean, that's just so empowering and inspirational. And uh, I guess the message I want to send out to our listeners is that, you know, you shouldn't be bogged down by you know society's expected limitations for you and you shouldn't have to uh kind of just be confined to the confined to the norms of you know your society or your culture because i guess things are changing now and you know um the possibilities are endless and you're a perfect example of that and oh, i just want to thank g- you so much <laughs> and I just you're wanna- so sweet and it's so great to be able to con- connect with people like yourself and just have the opportunity to, you know, kind of like you're saying, just show people that it is possible. You can live the life that you want to live. Um, and, and, and those things are possible. And I really encourage our listeners to follow you on your social media, on your Instagram at dr.pamela.mehta. Dr. at dr.pamela.mehta. Yes. Okay. And any last words for our audience? I just, I do want to tell all the females out there um, that you can and do and be anything. It may sound cliche, um, but you can. Um, It just takes a little bit of determination and confidence and some work ethic. Um, And there's really nothing you can't do. And you can make the life that you want. You can have it all. 
may not be able to have every piece of it all at the same time and some some things will take priority over others um, but you can have both a fulfilling career and family beautiful thank you so much dr meta it's been thank a pleasure you. speaking with you and i look forward to talking with you again yeah absolutely Hey podcast, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope we brought you some practical, good advice that you can apply to your life. Guys, if you could please do us the favor of sharing this, telling people about it, leaving us a comment, subscribing, all that will help us grow and will help us spread our message. Also, if you'd like to support our podcast, you can go to our website and click support and it will help us grow this podcast and continue doing what we are doing and bringing you more high quality guests like the one you just heard. Thank you guys. Peace.